Hello, good afternoon, and good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Divine Nobody's podcast. I'm your host, Eric Ajna, joined by the beautiful Jennifer Lynn. Jennifer, how are you? I'm well, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's been a really beautiful Sunday so far. We have a really amazing show for you guys lined up today. And we'll get into all the really juicy details of exactly what that is, but... How was your weekend? It was really good. It was our anniversary this weekend, so. Oh yeah, what'd you yeah. guys do? Um, we went camping. Well, just like a little one day trip. One on, day trip. Yeah, yeah, and fairly close, but there's like a little lake and just to to get out of our house. We're still quarantining, you know. Yeah. Pandemic thing, so can't go far. Yeah. Did you guys do a, a tent thing? No, no. We have an RV, so you know we yeah. took the RV and we glamped. I guess it wasn't glamping. really camping. Yeah, it wasn't really camping. Sometimes you got to do glamping, though. I actually, I have a, a group of friends that I, I I consider my soul family. We do the glamping thing, um, but it isn't with an RV. Yeah. I think it just depends because glamping can mean a lot of different things. Our version of that is like, we'll bring electronic devices out into nature. We'll have like something like a projector. Yeah. We'll like play some movies yeah. and we'll, you know, all sit together and kind of do that whole thing. We'll even bring sometimes like DJ equipment out there and just start a little dance party. Yeah. I like know? it. Cause I feel really supported by nature and I feel like, you know, although nature kind of just does what it does and it's this is really, really fantastic job at keeping you present with it. I feel like if I were a tree and, you know, some natives came into my city every now and again and just threw a party, I'd feel like they'd enjoy that celebration. Hey, I like it. You know Yeah. I mean? Yeah. So did you guys like uh, barbecue and do that whole thing? Yeah. Yeah. We barbecued. We did that whole thing. Um, we ended up cutting our trip short because um, we had some interesting, interesting things pop up on our ring camera. Oh so, yeah. Ring cameras. It's crazy. Cause those things, I, I have family members that have that. I, I myself don't actually have a ring camera, but the, some of the stuff that people pick up on ring cameras. I, it's, it's amazing for just this little security camera, how sensitive they are. Yeah. Um, I was, I was actually pretty blown away and we have multiple, we have them on the outside of our house and then a couple yeah. on the inside. We have one in our downstairs living area so yeah. we can keep an eye on the dogs. Yeah. So whenever we're not home, um, we kind of lock them in there yeah. and then they have a dog door where they can go in and out of the backyard. Yeah. So. I, uh, whenever I go down to my family's house, I know that they both, my, my, my mom and my sister, I go to their houses and visit, they both have ring cameras, but I always see it when I walk in. Mm-hmm. And it obviously senses motion at the front. Yeah. And so I always take that opportunity to just sort of do a little jig, like a little dance. Yeah. And so uh, it'll pick you up. Exactly. So she sees it and she shares it with me. And I think they get kind of like a kick out of that. Oh yeah. It's, you know? yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Those yeah. little cameras are pretty amazing. Yeah. It's cool that you guys found some time to get out of the house and spend some time together during that time. Yeah. You know, for the most part, I think a lot of us are still in quarantine and I was actually thinking about a story. Uh, well, not a story. It's going to be a story for you guys. But I was introspecting the other day about a series of different, I would consider, mystical states mm-hmm. that I had experienced back in 2012. And of course, the energy back in 2012 was pretty heightened because you had the procession of the equinoxes going on. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of people that were sort of tuned in to this sort of mass awakening that was happening as a result of the sort of Mayan calendar thing. Yeah. Right. And I was getting really into meditation as well as plant medicine. And I recall a, a series of visions that I had during meditation of what I would, and we'll get into it now. So it, it was actually, when I would get into these certain states of meditation, I think most people go through this at some point where 
you, you're falling deeper, deeper in mm-hmm. and uh, a sort of byproduct of the meditative state is that some people just experience those really devout levels of peace and presence, but some people actually sort of catalyze these mystical type of states. Mm-hmm. You know, um, some people can fall really deep into an astral projection or sort of like almost like a lucid dream type of state. Yeah. And uh, some people can actually recollect past lives mm-hmm. and they do a lot of ancestral work. Yeah. So it's almost like when you're tapped into the meditative state, your spirit and your aura sort of expands mm-hmm. and these sort of things can happen. But I recall um, several different experiences where I was sitting and I want to say maybe 30, 40 minutes and I started getting these visions, started mm-hmm. getting these downloads of a desolate street and particularly like a desolate freeway. So it was almost had this like post-apocalyptic type of vibe to it because you see those movies, I think like Will Smith did a movie a while back called I Am Legend. Yeah. And it was basically like Great movie. his, right. And, and it was him sort of trying to exist in this post-apocalyptic world. Mm-hmm. And I think actually a pandemic was yeah. the result of that. Yeah, happening, it was. Mm-hmm. Right. So that is also sort of like a synchronistic thing. So um, in this vision that I had, I remember walking down a highway and the highway was completely empty, completely void of life. And it also did that sort of thing where like whenever you're in this sort of metropolitan or um, city area, Mm -hmm. once it stops being catered to by, you know, landscapers and just the city doing work on it, those plants start to flourish. Mm -hmm. So I would get, I got this vision of walking down a desolate highway and obviously something happened. Right. Right. And I'm trying to look at, uh, sit with the sort of symbolic interpretation of exactly what that meant. Mm -hmm. But when this whole quarantine started, maybe it's not so much that way now in, in, in some cities, depending on where you live, you might experience this, but there's nobody on the streets, Mm -hmm. you know, and when it first started, there wasn't really anybody on the highways either. Right. You know, so I became really fascinated with just abandoned buildings, this, this feeling of just being completely on my own in this space Mm -hmm. and it was completely void of life. And do I think that some sort of cataclysm happened that annihilated everybody except for myself? No, I don't think that. But my spiritual interpretation of that is there is an event, a large event that happened that became sort of the the catalyst for obviously a huge change. So Mm -hmm. that was like me pulling that tower in the tarot, right? you know, Mm -hmm. and I started thinking of, well, what's the association or the correspondence with that? Well, light work. Right. Right. And obviously there are a lot of different uh, influencers and light workers and thought leaders and healers that are really banding together at this time mm-hmm. to share their wisdom, wisdom and try and really anchor in their light, especially during the time that we're in right now, because there's right. a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, really dense energy. The polarities mm-hmm. are so strong right now. They are. You know what I mean? Yes. In every aspect of my life, I feel like. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they're so clear. And you can, you know, depending on what your modality is, you could tune in to the television. You could watch the news. You could mm-hmm. go onto social media. It's literally everywhere. Yeah. It really you is. have these sort of almost like these sides that people are taking, maybe mm-hmm. advertently and inadvertently where you have the the shadow just completely illuminating itself and it's also backed by this unbelievable light. 
mm-hmm. you know, um, that contrast is starting to become so intense right. that people in a lot of ways are having to sort of choose a side. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of those people that have been sort of flying under the radar as far as like in the government or even in this, this spiritual dimension, a lot of those people are kind of coming to the surface. And I yeah. think that's where a lot of that light work is coming in is like we, I guess, from our perspective, um, this is really a great time and an opportunity for us to band together and sort of anchor in that light, especially when all the chaos is going on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, with all that you mentioned, the um, all of the political figures coming to light and, yeah. you know, maybe some celebrities like Epstein and exactly. that spawned the whole, and that's a you thing. know, did Wayfair you, Gate. Did you hear about that yes, Wayfair thing? That's crazy. That is unbelievable. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, I, it, I went on the links and, you know, tried to like verify the information and the links were already taken yeah, down because Wayfair took them down. Right. So, I mean, but you don't I have know. to, you don't really have to know a whole lot of to, to in order to kind of get a vibe that something bad is going Some, on. Yeah. You right. Know, no, I like agree. Twelve, fifteen thousand dollar cabinets. Right. Yeah. And they're all the same, but different prices. Mm-hmm. That is unbelievable. Yeah. And then when you there was a pillow that was on one of these streams and uh, the pillow was like 18 bucks. The constellation pillow. Right. Yeah. And then you type in, you type in the field, a name, and then it changes the price to 10,000. Yeah. I was like, well, yeah. And who charges that much for a pillow? Like right. I've seen that same pillow at like Ross for like 10 bucks. Right. You know exactly. Yeah. So there's obviously something going on. Yeah. There's something and, going on. And people are intuitive. We live in this age of information where you know, if something circulates on the internet, people are going to do their research mm-hmm. and I feel like people are doing that. Yeah. You know, I so agree. I'm really grateful that we have this community of people that are paying attention to this type of thing because mm-hmm. it's not a good thing. You mm-hmm. know, human trafficking, I feel like has been going around for a long time. Yeah. And those people that have been flying under the radar, just like I was talking about before, these are the people that are creating that contrast. And these are the people that we really, really need to pay attention to and make sure that justice is of course served for all of the innocent people that have been subject to this type of thing. You know, I was, this brought back a memory of being in the airport in the Houston intercontinental airport Uh and the women's restroom, whenever you close the door, um, there's actually a sign and it's a, it's a super generic phone number, like two, 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 you know, something like that would be easy to remember. Um, and it says, if you're being trafficked, um, remember this phone number if yeah. you get an opportunity, call us. Yeah. So, you know, they could help rescue some of these people that are going through one of these larger international airports. Right. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's super crazy. And, and you talked about those sort of numbers that are actually coming up. I'm noticing a lot of sort of synchronistic numbers. I feel like we are approaching a, a really, really integral time mm-hmm. in our universe right now, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like we're getting a lot of support from the angelic realms as well as from our spirit guides. Mm -hmm. And they're showing themselves in a multitude of different ways from, I guess, the more spiritual dimension, they communicate in ones and zeros. So if you're seeing, you know, these synchronistic numbers like 1111 or 1212, uh, it's really important to pay attention to these things Mm -hmm. because this is how angels and guides communicate with us in the astral realm. And at the same time, whenever you have um, a contrast this large, especially the density is, is the dimensions are definitely open. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they're, the veil is becoming so thin. I agree. And just the same way that we are bringing in all of this light, um, there's also just an admixture of the opposite on our planet right now. Mm-hmm. So I feel like as, as light workers, it's really a responsibility to do the work um, in helping in any way that we can, but also doing the work on our 
on ourselves because mm-hmm. that's the one thing that we have the ability to change. Right. And I think that's really what this is about. This is an inward revolution mm-hmm. and that involves really just uh, sitting with yourself and going over the various levels of conditioning that we find ourselves subject to. And right now is the perfect opportunity to do that because that quarantine is still happening. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people that are spending a lot of time with themselves that have normally probably got involved more into the nightlife, people that would go out normally on weekends and partying. Yeah. And uh, now a lot of those people aren't able to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in the beginning, when it, in beginning stages of it happening, you know, people can go for quite some time without having those things. But I think we're approaching kind of like a precipice where you're starting to see how it wears on people. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So. Which brings up, so, I mean, quarantine alone brings up so many different questions and possibilities, but you think mm-hmm. about people that are in relationships with like do- domestic violence situations and right. they don't have anywhere else to go and they're right. like trapped in their house. Yeah. And then what that means for night, you know, the night people, like you mm-hmm. were just talking about in Vegas, how those people typically only work through the summers right. um, at the pool parties and whatever. And that supplies them their income for the rest of the year. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I was watching this, uh, different ways. This, this YouTube talk by Miriam Williamson mm-hmm. and I described to her because she, she has a really amazing book called the return to love. And she spot, she talks really for the most part about the course in miracles. Mm-hmm. And she had made a, a talk right around the time quarantine started about, um, just the spiritual, emotional and physical implications of what we're going through right now. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people during this time are trying to maintain some level of normalcy, but you'll hear that sort of statement come from people sometimes. Like I just want things to go back to normal. Yeah. And she says that normal is what God is here. Mm-hmm. Right. So we can't go back to those various types of behaviors that really led to us really getting to this point. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, it was uh, initially about a pandemic, but this is about so many different things. This is about the lack of compassion and our indifference to really important things that are happening in the world, mm-hmm. all sort of combined together. You know what I mean? It can even come down to, you know, obviously, you know, uh, socio and economic statuses and income inequality, and you know, mm-hmm. the the corruption that we have in our government systems. Right. You know, but she was talking about we're going through a collective dark night of the soul, and I think we talked about really briefly in uh, some of our previous podcasts about. Um, how each individual person goes through that, but we are as a collective going through it as a civilization of people Mm -hmm. that are coming to terms with the fact that we've been doing a lot of crazy shit Mm -hmm. and not taking accountability for the crazy shit that we do and the crazy shit that we do to each other. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, it's really a, a form of divine grace because nature is also involved. Oh yeah. Right. And you know, for the most part, all of us, consists of bodies and our bodies consists of various different minerals. And we ultimately come from mother Gaia and Pachamama mm-hmm. and we'll ultimately return to her. And so this is, uh, this can be looked at as a form of divine grace because nature is involved in nature is putting us in our places. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, we are pretty much, uh, being forced into, this state of having to introspect and really pay attention to how our behavior has been affecting not only each other, but just the planet. Right. You know? And so 
I talked about this really briefly with the dark night of the soul is on a collective level, but I wanted to just talk a little bit about the individual dark night of the soul, because although we are going through it collectively, it's also going to narrow itself down to us individually doing the work. Right. You know, and, and I think that, I think the, the dark night of the soul happens when there's something that sort of sparks that attention. Right. And that could be trauma. It could be venturing through plant medicines. Mm-hmm. It could be meditation. It mm-hmm. could be the death of, death, death of a loved one. Right. Right. And we all experience it very differently. But from my experience, when it comes to the spiritual path, mm-hmm. there's always a catalyst. Right. And the dark night of the soul is basically the glimpse into what we consider to be truth. Right. It's like right. seeing through the veils of the matrix. Right. And realizing Mm-hmm. One, that you're not just a human being, but that you're a spirit, mm-hmm. right? And a dark night of the soul is a really integral time in our spiritual development because you go through this sort of ego death. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, maybe I don't, maybe ego death isn't the right word to say because we can't completely annihilate the ego, right? but it's uh, creating the separation between the spirit and the ego. And once you see the truth, and Adi Ashanti has this quote that says, uh, it's not that enlightenment does anything to you. All enlightenment does is shows you the truth about how reality works. Right. And once you yeah. see the truth, you have no choice but to change. Exactly. And once those doors open, you can't close them. You can't close them. You know what I mean? It's like finding out there's no Santa Claus. Exactly. That's another thing too. Finding out there's no Santa Claus. Yeah, that was bullshit. Yeah, it's total bullshit, right? It, I and I, it, we're obviously getting older, and yeah. we know people that have children. Mm-hmm. And you know, now that I'm older, and I realize that Santa Claus and the tooth fairy are bullshit, mm-hmm. I feel just this overwhelming sense of compassion and love for these children because they're sort of going to go down that dark path of one day finding out. Oh yeah, that it's not real. Yeah, you know what I mean. That was a. It's it's that you realize you've been lied to. Yeah. And it's, even as a little kid, you really connect with that. You're like, wait a second. You don't care that you're, who's bringing you the presents as long as you're getting the presents, right? Right. right. So that is a moot point. It's more that like, wait a minute, these people have been orchestrating this big show and lying to me this whole time. That's how I felt. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And the funny thing is I was actually watching a movie with uh, one of my nieces mm-hmm. over the weekend. Okay. And it's, it's always like a, 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 it reminds me of this quote by Ram Das where he's like, you think you're enlightened try spending a weekend with your parents. <laughs> Amen. Although I'm not spending a weekend with my parents, I was spending a weekend with a child that does not give a shit about spirituality. Right. Not because they don't care. It's just because they're not in that place to know. Yeah. And in some ways is some ways they're actually more spiritual than us because mm-hmm. they are fully tapped in and tuned into their innocence. Right. But the one thing that I realized just sitting there with her watching this movie is why is it that women, that women, but children have this content when you're a child, suddenly there are things that you just gravitate towards as a children. And we, as adults consider them to just be little kid stuff. Right. You have these Pixar movies, these dream work movies, mm-hmm. things like that. And we say, okay, those are kid movies. Why are kids, why do kids have this affinity towards these sort of like, uh, cartoony type of things that we would consider to be innocent and playful. Right. And it was really profound because I realized that they come into this world and right away, their innocence obviously is flourishing. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. They're coming directly from heaven and they have that sort of creative spark and creative impulse of the divine spirit in them. So right when they get here, you get a glimpse of what God may actually be like, yeah. right? Because children have the, one of the greatest imaginations, mm-hmm. right? The, the scenarios and the stories, like they believe and are fully tapped into a world that we as adults tend to lose grasp of, right? right? Yeah. And one thing that I was just thinking about is like, it's also their attempt to try and come to terms with the fact that that world isn't the way that it is. Mm-hmm. So they get into this sort of this realm of having to play make-believe mm-hmm. and having to, in some ways, escape the seriousness of what it means to be alive here on this planet. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, maybe girls play with dolls and guys play with, you know, whatever toys that they play with. And they're always creating these scenarios of a more magical, a more innocent, a more beautiful life. Mm-hmm. And so I think the reason why they do that is because when you are a child and you're born into this world and you're surrounded by a bunch of different adults, you realize that the innocence sort of in some ways dies away. Mm-hmm. So it's their way of coping with the intensity and the seriousness of what adults sort of make reality into after a certain point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it, it's the interesting thing about it is like we, that sort of, uh, I guess the natural movement of karma as we get older is we are children. We grow up, we start taking on these sort of conceptual forms of who we Mm -hmm. should be as adults. And at a certain point we start realizing that that isn't it. Right. That isn't where the freedom is. Mm -hmm. That isn't where, you know, love really flows. But we have to get to that point and go through that journey in order to realize that. Mm-hmm. But once you get to that point, you start trailing backwards and you start subtracting. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, I'm 35 years old trying to get back to the state and the emotional sort of state that children are in. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they say that that's one of the signs that you're you're going through this process, right, is that you will conjure up old memories as a child um, that maybe you had blocked out and those memories will start to reappear as you become more awakened. Yeah. It's almost like the the natural flow that I think the spirit goes through is it needs to get to this peak where it realizes that it doesn't need everything that it it thought it needed before and it starts to go backwards. I think the story that comes up for me is like my mom or your parents. Because we were obviously children of them, where when we were young, our parents, for the most part, had to set the set the pace for how we developed as children. Right. Right. That involved rules. It involved, you know, discipline. It involved, you know, them creating this this past that led us into being contributing members to society. And when I think back about my mother and my family there were times where they were very stern, right? Mm -hmm. They have to be as parents, but we identify them when we're young as being sort of the end all be all of everything. They know everything. Yeah. Right. They are the master of your universe. They're the master of your universe. And I didn't just think of parents that way. Mm -hmm. I thought of every, Every every adult that way. Right. You know, I think I told you this story before. It's like when I was young, I used to look through a window and see adults working in their office doing what I imagine adult, human beings to be doing. Yeah. Now that I'm older, I look through that same window and I see a bunch of kids doing what they think adults do. Right. And they never quite get at it because I'm 35 and I still don't 
feel like I'm quite there yet. No. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. My dad says that and he's an old man, you know, yeah. he says that when I look in the mirror, I'm like, Oh, holy shit. Who's that old guy? <laughs> he said, cause in my mind, I still feel like I'm 18, 21 right. years old yeah. and then I don't know anything. I'm still just learning so much. Mm-hmm. And so, then that's a part of like that whole, Oh, you we even find out that we've been lied to when we get older too, yeah. just on a different scale. Yeah. And the reason why I brought up my mom is that I'm obviously an adult now and I can take care of myself. And after a certain point, parents realize that they don't have to parent you in the way that they used to anymore. Right. And the older that I get, I'm more, I'm noticing how much more innocent and how much more childlike my mother's starting to become. Mm-hmm. Right. Because what, what exactly happens when a parent decides to have a child, right? Right away, you fall into that role of, okay, now I have to be a parent. Mm-hmm. Now I have to sort of set maybe my wants and my desires aside. Mm-hmm. And that's a compassionate act. Right. They do that out of love for their child. Right. But there's this childlike energy in them that maybe that teenager, maybe that young adult that doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. It kind of stays there. And they're able to, you know, express that throughout various levels of their bringing you up. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I'm noticing about her now that she doesn't have to play the parent role, it's almost like she went backwards into her. Yeah. She got to take DNA. her parent hat off and put her, and which I, I can't remember your mom's name. What's her name? Susan. Susan. Put her yeah. Susan hat back on and yeah. she's like, hey, now I can be me. Yeah. Which is cool. It does change the dynamic of the relationship with your parents too right. and how you connect with them as you get older. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I love my relationship with my parents now. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's amazing, way better than when I was younger because you're in that, you know, like they're your dictator (laughs) pretty much until you're 18. So yeah. 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 So now it's good. You know, we both have our own lives, do our own things. And now just kind of hanging out with an old friend. Yeah. Yeah. And then once you get to a certain age where you maybe meet them on maturity and then you realize that we're all just doing the best that we can. Yeah. You know, We don't all have it figured out, but there's actually some peace and some compassion that we can feel in that because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we're all just, like I said, we're all just doing the best that we can. But the beautiful thing about the reason why I brought up my mom is that she seems more childlike now because she went from being that serious adult to now all of a sudden it's kind of going backwards. And the more, the more I see her, the older that I get, the more innocent Mm -hmm. and the more, you know, immature, but in a cute way, she starts to become. Right. And all of a sudden we're at like family gatherings and I'm having to tell her to watch her mouth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. We're having to tell her to kind of like, Hey, you need to relax yeah. a little oh. bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's like, you know, they earn their, their right to, to do that. Yeah. But it's interesting how the evolution of the human spirit, it's like we go into this having to take life so seriously mm-hmm. into finally working out and experiencing that brass ring Mm -hmm. and then realizing that really at the end of the day, it all just comes back to love and innocence and fun. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what the, the dark night of the soul really signifies is that what it, it, for those of you say, I said this a lot in the podcast so far, the dark night of the soul is when there is a catalyst, when there is a specific situation in your life, maybe it could have been a breakup. It could have been a death of a loved one, Mm -hmm. but it shatters your entire perception of what reality is mm-hmm. in the same way that maybe this serious world shatters a child's perception of what magic 
mm-hmm. and wonder is like. Mm-hmm. And once you experience that as an adult, you realize that all the concepts and all the things that you believed in, even in religion, even in spirituality, are put into question. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Your entire foundation is removed from underneath you, you know, and you go from a place of being absolutely certain that you understand the world a certain way to all of a sudden, I don't know shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And then you're starting to experience these other changes. Like Mm -hmm. you're socially, you know, maybe you're less inclined to want to impress people and then you want to connect with people more. And then you start searching for that inner child and, you know, your life starts to take a different direction. And sometimes that's really scary for people when they're experiencing this. Yeah, absolutely. Like, why am I, why am I like this? Why am I, why am I changing like this? And maybe their old social groups are asking them the same question Mm -hmm. and that's a hard thing to answer. Right, right. It's almost like the the soul venture is as far as it can away from that sort of divine spark of love. Mm -hmm. does its own thing because it thinks that it's separate from the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. That's where the duality comes in. Large, I mean, it's it's largely something that's that's moderated by our Western society because it, for the most part, teaches us how to think that we are different from everybody else. So we don't automatically feel that sense of oneness with people Mm -hmm. that are around us. Mm Right. But once you experience truth, once you experience this sort of like divine intervention of God coming into your life and completely destroying your house, Mm -hmm. you know, everything changes. Everything changes. And and we think that when God or source comes in, that he's just going to come in and rearrange our furniture. Yeah. No. But he's not. Oh, it's coming down. It's going to, he's going to come in and he's just going to destroy your entire house and replace it with a sprinter van. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? Right. Maybe even, it's like, you don't need all that. Yeah. You don't need all that. Yeah. It's like a, you, you, you know, maybe you won't be a van life or maybe some people would. Yeah. I feel like Elon Musk is also going down that path. Yeah, he I, totally is. Yeah. Cause I saw that, that interview with, with Joe Rogan and he was talking about like, at some point he had all these houses. He even had Gene Wilder's house. Mm-hmm. Right. That's cool. That's pretty cool. Gene Wilder is awesome. Yeah. Right. And now he's getting rid of all of his houses. Yeah. He's selling everything. Yeah. He said, and he was talking about building a new house and like, no, I don't really want to occupy my mind with that. I want to go to Mars instead. Yeah. Like that's a better use of my time. Yeah. And he also is going to be renting too. Yeah. I think that's cool. So if anybody's out there that's listening, if Elon Musk figures out that this, that the truth of how reality works then trust me, like that, that brass ring that people are looking for doesn't exist. Yeah, absolutely. That's the same thing with uh, people like Jim Carrey, Mm -hmm. you know, it just shows that no matter how famous you are, that, that wealth and that money will not make you happy. Nope. It isn't going to drive the ship for you. Maybe it might for a little bit. Yeah. Right. But even famous people that have everything they could possibly imagine get to that point of realizing that there's something else moving through our universe. And mm-hmm. there's, there's something else that has really the power over any type of material wealth. And that's basically love. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So when that dark night of the soul happens, it's always difficult as to how to navigate through it. Because mm-hmm. I see it as you understand finally the truth that what you believed in has been a lie. Mm-hmm. but you haven't yet fully evolved into the awakened spirit yet. Right. So you're kind of stuck between the doorway. Yeah. You're still doing some research. Yeah. You're, you're still, you're still doing the research and what ends up happening, I think from my own experience is that panic comes 
Because oh. there's this fear of mm-hmm. uncertainty. Oh, yeah. And that's the one thing that the ego has a hard time with is not knowing what's yeah. going to happen. So what do we do? We ascribe to some level of faith or truth. And for the most part, from my experience, people become fanatics. Mm-hmm. You go from one side of the spectrum right. of being a consumer mm-hmm. to all of a sudden being addicted to spirituality. Right. Right. And it's almost <laughs> like what Ram Das calls the phony holy and the, fo- and the phony unholy. Yeah. Right. Where it's like you take this premature step and Uh dive into spirituality Mm -hmm. because you want something to hold on to. Yeah. Right. And so you ascribe to all of these different types of faiths. It Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to necessarily even be the new age faith. It can be Buddhism, anything. anything, Right. So we develop this sort of fanaticism towards it as Mm -hmm. a way to sort of cope with the fact that our world is crumbling around us. Mm -hmm. So that's where you get into, um, you know, the, the bells and whistles and the, the shiny and polished version of spirituality, which mm-hmm. is, okay, now I have to be just super unbelievably happy all the time. Yeah. You Why know? do people think that? I, I, you know, it's an innocent thing. Who, yeah. it, it's, it's tempting to want to be happy all the time when we're surrounded by a lot of situations that don't make us happy. Yeah. Right. And I think it's just really about finding balance Mm -hmm. and it's about, you know, that pendulum swinging too far in each direction. Right. Yeah. The highs can't be too high. The lows can't be too low. So you just got to learn how to regulate. Right. Right. And I think, um, yeah. And then on the spiritual journey, it's really about how to moderate the ego Mm because the ego is the one that the second it experiences truth, it could be, uh, you know, something somebody experiences on plant medicine where they get to experience source. Mm-hmm. There's this, this, this impulse that moves through you, which I, I actually call it the divine impulse of God. And mm-hmm. once you've experienced God, and that can come through as just devout levels of bliss or just divine clarity, mm-hmm. there's this feeling that you've been chosen to do a very specific type of work. Right. And I think a lot of us really are, but mm-hmm. within reason. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be something really as practical as just being a good person and yeah. being loving mm-hmm. in all the dimensions that you have the ability to be loving. Mm-hmm. But then there are some people that kind of tread into this sort of Messiah complex realm right? where suddenly the universe is on your shoulders mm-hmm. and you are the one responsible for bringing in the great awakening. <laughs> right. And you have to be really careful with that yeah. because the ego will take that and run with it. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And seen some Instagram accounts. I can tell you that's happened. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't want, you don't want to do it as a form of external validation. Right. You don't want to do it as a way of coping with your own sort of insecurity with Mm -hmm. the game that's going on. Exactly. And that's what I say. The, the dark night of the soul is really about finally seeing the way that the ego works Mm -hmm. and realizing that as long as you're feeding it some sort of concept or some sort of practice, what the ego is going to do is it's going to take it and try and compartmentalize it mm-hmm. and try and personify it. Right. You know, and the ego is a really tricky thing. It was a talk that I uh, listened to a while back by Muji. Mm-hmm. And he says, the ego is, is something we put so much trust in, right? But the ego is the one, that one voice that you hear inside of your mind. That's like, oh, you should put your hand on the fire. It'll be okay. Right. It'll be okay. And then you put your hand on the fire and you get burned. Mm-hmm. And then that same ego is going to be like, I told you not to do that. Yeah, I told you dumb. not to do that. You know, it's that hot. Why'd you do that? Exactly. Exactly. So mm-hmm. that's the sort of trickery that goes on. Right. When we're not operating from awareness is that we, 
we always want to create a process and we always want to personify something mm -hmm. that really has no place for that type of personification because source is such a universal force mm -hmm. and it's such an all-encompassing force. And we get into trouble when we, you know, put ourselves in situations that create division between us and other people, mm -hmm. you know, in right. the same way that, you know, it's like when people think of heaven, like, let's just talk about like Christianity for a second. Okay. And when we die, people think of this, sort of biblical heaven mm -hmm. uh, where it's like you're sitting in the clouds and you're just singing hymns all day long. I don't know who yeah. you are, but if I spoke to anybody on the street, they would not want to do that. Right. Every single day. Every day. For eternity. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, that sounds like hell to me. Right. Yeah. And th the reason why we have this sense of goodness and this sense of happiness is because we have the contrast of understanding all the things that don't make us happy. Right. So that I think points to balance needing to exist, mm -hmm. right? Like we, it's not about, I don't think the spiritual journey is about being happy all the time. Yeah, no. You know? And I think part of it is digging into those times that you're unhappy to see where the source is and what you need to work yeah, on. I mean, absolutely. that's how you identify what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, 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 do I think it's about creating a utopian society that like maybe Aldous Huxley talks about in Brave New World? No, because ultimately that didn't end up actually working out. Right. It's really about transformation. Mm -hmm. It's really about the journey to source. Yeah. And in the same way, when we go to see a choir, for example, like say, uh, say you go to see a symphony, say mm -hmm. you go to see a band, Maybe Soundgarden's still playing music, right? Oh, that'd be so like, wonderful. You don't go to see Soundgarden or Nako and Medicine for the People or Odessa. You don't go to that show just to hear the finale. Right. Right? Because otherwise you would just go and hear one crashing chord mm -hmm. and that would be it. And that'd be it. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole reason why people enjoy going to these shows is the journey getting there, mm -hmm. the journey listening to all the different songs. Yeah. That have all these beautiful memories and, and experiences attached to them. Being with your friends, ultimately mm -hmm. the journey is the one reason why we appreciate anything. Anything. Right? And that journey doesn't always look the best. It always doesn't always look like the most shiny thing. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I, I feel like the whole point of our really our existence is about trying to understand ourselves in a more cohesive and a more beautiful way, which is basically understanding how God moves within each and every person. Right. You I mean, know. you just can't have the rainbow without the rain. Exactly. You have to have some rain in your life to really understand and appreciate it. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So the dark night of the soul, it, that's the first part of, I think what Ram Dass was talking about when he says the phony holy, mm -hmm. where we prematurely take this step into spirituality without actually doing the work to get, to get there to that place. Right. Because what'll end up happening is you'll step into that realm and you'll realize that you're still seeking. Mm -hmm. You realize that you're still seeking that salvation. Right. In the same way that you were seeking wealth. Right. In your 3D realm. Mm -hmm. Right. And you go through this really great bout of depression because you realize what you were looking for is not there. Mm -hmm. And it's because you were going through the wrong door. Right. You know, so what happens is you bounce back. You say, okay, well, this spiritual thing wasn't for me, so I'm just going to go back and try and maintain some level of normalcy in my life by going back to do the things that I did before. 
Mm-hmm. And then you realize that once you open the door, you can't close it. Can't close so that. you go and you start taking on these roles of like, okay, well, I'm going to go back and try and party and do all the things that I used to do. But there's this feeling of like, okay, now I feel even more empty. Now I feel like I'm lying to myself. Right. And then that's when the phony unholy mm-hmm. thing happens mm-hmm. where it's like you've awakened to the truth. And because you were seeking a certain type of outcome, you went back to being who you were, but then realized that your old self was not there anymore. Wasn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, the, it's like being a kid and finding out there's no Santa Claus. It's that exactly. you're losing that innocence again. That's like when it snaps you out and you're like, Oh, wait a, wait a second. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then that's where the dark night of the soul happens because you're right in between the realms. Yeah. And I think at this point, if, if you are, you know, being really sincere and honest about your journey, and your world is obviously completely destroyed and every, the world that you imagine to be true, then all really the spiritual journey asks is for this radical honesty to take place mm-hmm. between yourself and your spirit, right. between your mind and your heart. And once you start being honest with who you are, you'll start realizing that the seeking mm-hmm. is this, this sort of, it's the spirit's way of running away from the truth of what is. Mm-hmm. Because you realize at a certain point that you are that, like you are God. Mm -hmm. And that can scare a lot of people. But at the same time, it's not complex enough for people to understand that. Right. Because we've been trained for the most part growing up that it all looks a certain way, Mm -hmm. you know? That, that Jesus is going to come in the clouds or like, you know, lightning bolts going to come out of the sky and, and... zap me with this sort of like omnipotent sort of force. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I'm going to get that aha moment where it's like, oh, and that. Right. But it's really such a practical, such a subtle thing that you can miss it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And we, it reminds me of this story of the diamond thief. And I won't go in too much, too far into this story, but you'll probably like this story. It's basically, there's this world renowned diamond thief goes around picking people's pockets. Mm -hmm. One day he sees this person walking out of a diamond store and he's like, okay, I'm going to go after that person, take the diamond out of their pocket. So he goes and he's like looking through this person's pockets, can't find a diamond anywhere. Mm -hmm. Looks everywhere. Eventually he gets frustrated and he pokes the the person on the shoulder and is like, hey, I'm a world renowned diamond thief. I've been doing this shit for years. And for the life of me, I can't figure out where you put this diamond. And this person turns to him and he's like, I knew you were looking for it. So I put it in the one place I knew you wouldn't look for it. Mm-hmm. He's like, in your pocket, right? right. Mm-hmm. And that's how, for the most part, we approach spirituality, mm-hmm. right? We're looking for all these different areas outside of ourselves for the answers. We don't realize that we are the answer. answer. Mm-hmm. You know, like a knife can cut many things, but it can't cut itself, Yeah. right? And a mouth can bite many things, but it can't bite itself. Mm-hmm. You know, we we are looking for this place, not even realizing that we are already operating from that place. Yeah. And people look for it in other people and relationships and unhealthy addictions, whether that's alcohol or drugs Mm. or even food, Yeah, you know, I mean, just that constant searching of something that's going to make them happy. Right. And it's, yeah. Yeah. And it's not to say that we, we shouldn't indulge in things that make us happy, but it, it's, I think it, it's tough for, because the ego 
unless you are fully integrated with your ego and you understand balance, it's always going to go running for, you know, the, the highest peak of that experience. Mm -hmm. It's like this adrenaline junkie that just wants to just max out and mm -hmm. go super extra on everything, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's really about trying to maintain that balance. Right. And so how do you do that? Well, meditation is a really good place to start, mm -hmm. you know, like what in, you know, meditation that that's an, another completely different thing, but <laughs> the interesting, I'd like to, if I can demystify meditation. I, right? I would love for you to do that. Cause that's probably the most commonly asked question from people that know that I'm into spirituality. Mm -hmm. They'll ask me how, how do you meditate? And to me, it seems so obvious and so simple you know, but I remember the first time I tried to meditate and the only thing that I could think about was like the laundry that I forgot to put in the dryer, <laughs> what I needed to do tomorrow. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. I was hungry, what I wanted to eat, what somebody said to me at work. I mm. mean, all of this stuff that was so not important. Right. Yeah. Um, but those memories come flooding through your mind and you just have to kind of sweep them aside and refocus. And it seems obvious, but it's not obvious. I think people really need to know that just because you're having thoughts doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. Right, exactly. And the beautiful thing about what you're saying is everybody goes through that. Mm -hmm. Every single person. There isn't one person. If we're a part of this Western world, I mean, even in the East, yeah, it's always been the biggest problem. But you can find peace and, and love in the fact that everybody approaches it the same way. Right. Right. So <laughs> you're so definitely true. not alone, right? Mm -hmm. But the... Interesting thing, when I'm doing some of my sound healing classes, and I was one of these people as well, it's like your first inclination when it comes to meditation, well, how do you do that? Right. Like, how do you meditate? And it's not as obvious that the question is the reason why you can't. Right. Right? Because your, your ego is trying to develop this way of creating a process mm -hmm. out of something that fundamentally doesn't have a process. Right. So when someone tells you that there's not a process to meditate, all of a sudden you're left with this blank of like, like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? Yeah. Right. And then you're Googling instructions on how yeah, to meditate. You're Googling which, which by the way, and I think we talked about a little bit about this with uh, the episode with Ryan is that mm -hmm. that's not to say that the instructions to meditate aren't useful. Yeah. There are guided meditations that Deepak Chopra has, Marian Williamson has, I mm -hmm. mean, they're useful, very, very, very useful. Good. Yeah. But at a certain point, when you go deeper into meditation, you realize it's not as really complicated as you think. Mm-hmm you can use guided meditations as like a nice guiding post. Some people need it. There are mm -hmm. some people that just need a process. Right. But as far as meditation, like the human spirit is, is always trying to rest in the state of meditation at all times. Mm -hmm. So fundamentally at the very core, you're never not in meditation. Mm -hmm. The only thing that happens is you develop these ways of bringing yourself out of the meditative state. Mm -hmm. And that med in those those ways being the concepts you have about what it means to meditate, mm -hmm. you know, the ideas that you have about how life works, basically anything that takes you away from the present moment that you're in is what takes you out of meditation. Right. But if me and you are just sitting here and we're doing, we're, we're, we're if me and you are sitting here, and we're just being present with what it is that we're doing there's really no need to develop any sort of practice on top of that. Mm -hmm. There's this intuitive knowing in your mind that in every given moment, there's an appropriate action and reaction to everything. Mm -hmm. And morality doesn't come into that. It's just about doing mm -hmm. by naturally being. And I think I talked about this in um, a couple of podcasts ago where it was, 
when I was talking about nature. And the beautiful thing that, about plants in nature is that they just so effortlessly do what they do. Mm-hmm. And they're not thinking about how it is that they do it or what it is that they're doing or whether or not they're being quiet enough and things like that. Yeah. That's the beautiful thing about nature mm-hmm. is that it doesn't have a story and it just effortlessly does what it does. Now, there is like a certain point where human beings need to access their mind in order to learn new things, right? Mm-hmm. But eating, for example, it's like there's something in this that intuitively knows when it's time to eat. Right. And there are probably some of us that will sit and think about for like an hour what it is that they want to eat. <laughs> there's a Libra inside of me. Yeah. It's difficult for me to make a decision when it comes to eating things sometimes. Right. Because whenever th- th- there's like one one place that I can go, I yeah. always automatically choose a second. Yeah. And so it's always about trying to balance the two. Oh, Do you man. go through that? Yes, all the time. Or I'll order something yeah. and somebody else will order also my second choice. Yeah. And then when their food comes, I have food envy because I wish I would have ordered my second choice and not what I ordered. Oh, that oh, happens. That's that the sucks. thing. But you know what? From my experience, that happens in relationships, obviously. Yeah, it does. Right. And maybe you can shed more light on this because when I was in a relationship, it always came down to eating. Yeah. It was always like, okay, we decide on a certain place. There's a production. There's yeah. a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an ordeal. It is. Right? It's an ordeal because you're, you're sitting in front of the menu and you're like, okay, I want to get your partner. My mm-hmm. partner at the time, they start telling you what it is. Oh, that looks good. You want to get that? Yeah. Right? And you're like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I should. Maybe. I didn't even realize that they were sort of unconscious, subconsciously trying to get me to get that so that so they, they can, can have, have some, right? <laughs> that is like a thing. That's a thing. Right. That's and, a thing. And, and, and we're pretty upfront about it though. Really? Yeah. I'm like, you get the fish and I'll get the steak and we'll have a surf and turf. We'll like share, yeah. you know, like Th- we that's do that what I do time. now. I feel like I'm, maybe that's like a sign of maturity because yeah. now, you know, when I'm relationships or I'm dating, it's always like, I think we're at that place, especially if you're in the, in the, the spiritual community where you're like, let's share. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because it's like, one, when you're going out to eat, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but some of these fucking entrees are humongous. Huge. They're huge. Huge. And they're enough for two people. Yeah. Right? Yes. And and so it's like, I mean, I don't eat that much, but mm-hmm. it's like, you might as well share. Yeah. You know? And there's really no harm in, you know, sharing two entrees. No. But I just noticed when we're in the, the, the you know, the drive-thru, we're at a restaurant, it's always like, okay, I, I finally get what it is that I mean, or, or you run into the situation where it's like, Oh, do you want fries? And they're like, no, I don't want fries. You can have fries. And I'm like, all right, are you sure you don't want fries? And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to get some fries and you get the fries and then they end up eating, eating them. them. Yes. Right? And you're like, I would have got more fries if I knew you were going to eat my fries. Yeah, exactly. So what is it? Yeah. Is that like a, just an unwillingness to commit? Is it like this feeling of like, okay, well, if, if, if he gets the fries and I don't, then I don't have to deal with the guilt of actually eating them. Yes. You got yeah. it. You got it. And it's like, well, I didn't get my own fries. I just had a couple of his, but really you had like right. 75% of his. Yeah. I just couldn't commit. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, yeah. I, 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 I had this like habit for a while where it doesn't matter what it is that I was eating, mm-hmm. but I would never finish the last bite. Really? Yeah. Why? I, I, and I did this for years. I don't do it anymore because I, I looked into it, but I wouldn't finish the last bite because I was able to somehow convince myself that, I really wasn't that hungry. Really? Like it, it was like this way of saying like, uh, I, you know, I, 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 
it's almost like not fully committing to the, you know, 1500 calories that you yeah. eat. It's like, well, if I don't eat that bite, that bite's probably worth 150 calories. So, you know, I save exactly. myself a little bit exactly. and I'm not that hungry right. anymore. So it's like, you feel like you're doing yourself a solid. Yeah. You've already scratched the itch because you ate what you wanted to eat. Yeah. This and is funny how those the like end. little behaviors that you, you, cause I had, when I was a teenager, this for whatever reason, I would only put $15 of gas in my gas tank at a time. Right. Cause you need the money you when need you're, the money. Yeah. you're a teenager. You know what I mean? But you're not really kidding yourself because you're ultimately going to have to just refill it. So mm-hmm. it's just about how many times you really want to go to the gas pump. Right. You know, so now I don't do that, but it's like you have these little rituals that you do. Yeah. And that was one of those things where, you know, I, I but 15 bucks when you're a, a kid is like a deal breaker. That's true. But well, also, back then, yeah, gas was only like 99 cents exactly. a gallon then too. Yeah. So that's yeah. not $4 a gallon anymore. Yeah, it, it, exactly. So we were talking about basically just like meditation, yeah. right? So it, it, it's hard for the ego to not try and create a process out mm-hmm. of something. Right. So right away you're sitting down, you're easing into it. And all of a sudden you're dealing with this mind that's moving mm-hmm. and that mind is saying so many different things like, okay, well, is this what meditation looks like? Mm-hmm. Am I in meditation? What do I do with these thoughts? Mm-hmm. Like, what do I, what do I, and then. Nothing's happening. Why isn't anything and happening? Lead, and it leads more to more of the same thing. Right. So you get in this loop with your ego about whether or not you're meditating mm-hmm. and it becomes a cyclical thing and it leads to more of the same thing. And then eventually you just get frustrated. Yeah. And some people are just like, meditation is just not for me. Right. You know? And I think for the most part, everybody goes through that. Yeah. They continue their search of trying to find that sort of inner peace. And then maybe as the the teaching starts to unravel yourself, you sort of give it another shot. Mm -hmm. And, and so when it comes to like meditation, I try not to look at it as a process. I try to look at it as just your most natural state to be in Mm -hmm. because if you're in your most natural state and you're being completely present with the moment, you won't need to get into this process of trying to quiet your mind Mm -hmm. because it'll just quiet itself. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Trying to quiet the mind is like trying to calm smooth water with a flat iron. It just leads to more of the same thing. Right. You know? So as far as meditation goes, it's really just about being present in your body and being present with what's in front of you. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't sound really complex. I think that's the reason why some people miss it. Yeah. Because it's basically just being okay with where you're at. Right. You know, and, and the, yeah. the rewards of meditation are not immediate. I mean, it takes a while and practice before you start to see how meditation is changing your life. Mm -hmm. So that's the other part too, is everyone, everyone wants things to happen yesterday. Like that instant gratification. Well, I did this for 20 minutes. I don't feel any different, you know? And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not the point. Like that's true. Yeah. I saw this talk by Simon Sinek. I don't know. I love him. Yeah. So he talks a lot about uh, millennials in the workplace Mm -hmm. and he talks a lot about um, leadership. Yeah. And he's talking about, I'm, I'm a millennial, mm-hmm. right? I'm like right at the cusp of being a millennial and yeah. I'm not ashamed to say that I have some millennial qualities, but definitely not lazy. Yeah. Right. But he was talking about, you know, that instant gratification is such a huge thing in our society. And mm-hmm. the reason why that is, is because everything monitoring your universe gives you instant gratification. Like you can pick up your phone and basically get anything that you want Yeah. within 
you know, arm's distance and at your fingertips. Yeah. Like you can get food delivered here. If you want to date, you can just download a dating app, like literally anything quickly. Right. Mm -hmm. The, the amount of bandwidth, like it's, it's, it's immediate. Like it's something that just happens so quickly. Right. He was talking about like the instant gratification. We get so used to it and it's no surprise that the millennials get used to it too. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they, they grew up in that world. Mm -hmm. They, they, you can't really blame them in some ways. Because yeah. you have this mixture of the baby boomers mixed in with the millennials and other, other generations that when we were young, we didn't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. So there's this, you know, side in us that inside in the baby boomers that are like, you still have to work and you still have to put in this amount of effort in order to get this type of result. Right. Well, the millennials have developed a more efficient way of getting that same result, mm-hmm. just going through a different door right. and getting there a lot faster. Mm-hmm. And so it appears to baby boomers to be lazy, but to millennials to just be more efficient. Right. They're like, why should I do all of this work when I can just get to this really quickly? Yeah. Right. So the reason why I bring it up is because he was talking about how, how do you define leadership mm-hmm. and how do you know when you're working um, maybe in your office or it could be in any aspect of your life where you start trusting your leadership. Mm-hmm. And he started talking about, well, when you work out, for example, like on a treadmill mm-hmm. and you work out for like a solid, maybe two hours or three hours that day. And then you go after that workout and look in the mirror. What do you see? Nothing. Nothing. There's no difference. Mm-hmm. Right. So what happens the second day where you work out for two hours of the day and then you look in the mirror and, and, and you see if anything's changed? Nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's about consistency right? and it's about after a certain point, two, three months, six months down the line, all of a sudden there's this feeling in you that's like, whoa, when I guess in terms of love, it's like, oh, I love this person Mm -hmm. because we can't quantify the moment that somebody falls in love with somebody. It's like, you can't really think of like, oh, Oh, that's when, that's exactly when it happens. Like one day you wake up and you're like, man, I love this person. Yeah. Like I... You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. all this, it's like this, this flower, this garden that you slowly nurtured and, and catered to for a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at it every single day, you get frustrated because it's not growing. Right. After a certain point where you trust that the universe is going to flow in the way that it should. One day that garden blossoms. One day you wake up and you realize that you love this person. And then one day, you know, if you're somebody that needs the seeking in order to get to meditation, one day you realize that the seeking is what prevented you from getting there. Yeah. You know, and it, it's, it's something, something really, really subtle and something just really, really, really kind of to the point. And it's all there. It's just, we go looking in all the different places to find it. And eventually we just arrive back, right back to the place that we started. Right. And that's the beautiful thing is that there's like this really beautiful correspondence that takes place because you can look at the spiritual journey in that way. That's just how nature sort of has the, everything in nature has this sort of cyclical sort of nature to it. You know, you can see that death, that, 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 that life and death and rebirth sort of cycle. Yeah. In the way that the, the human spirit sort of moves through our planet. Yeah. You know, yeah. So true. So, so true. if you guys are looking to meditate, yeah, you can go online and find different methods of meditating, but trust yourself because you are already in the state of meditation and you don't need to develop a process because the ego will automatically take that 
and want to create this sort of curriculum where it's like, oh, okay, well now I know how to meditate well, so I can do a Monday through Tuesday and then I can have a siesta on Wednesday and then I can go batshit crazy on Thursday and just like max out on the partying and then I can get back to the meditation. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Like we want, we don't want to look at it that way. Yeah. You want to look at it as just how do I always operate? And that's what people come up to Jiddu Krishnamurti and they ask him how to meditate. And he says that you, or, or he says that he never, he's, he's never not in meditation. Mm-hmm. He never stopped meditating. Right. You know? Yeah. Like so that. just sit with yourself, be present with yourself. And just really focus on what's in front of you, mm-hmm. you know, like focus on all of your senses. I think that's a really good place to start too. Yeah. So listening to the sounds in the room, feeling the way that your fingertips feel on certain textures, mm-hmm. like looking with your eyes. It's not like Ryan actually brought it up in um, the, our podcast where he was like, look at this glass. Like you've never seen it before in your life. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, he almost, it almost calls for you to look at something like a child would look at yeah. a new world. Yeah. I actually have to, I have to have a, some kind of chant. I can't, yeah. I can't get into meditation without it. Yeah. Um, because that's what, that's what like slows my mind down. And then, mm-hmm. And then I'll stop it and just, it'll be complete silence. But yeah. um, in the beginning, I, that's how I would get to where I need to be. Yeah. And that's good. There, there yeah. are uh, mantras. Yeah. I, I, I do mantras sometimes too. Mm-hmm. Affirmations. Mm-hmm. Even just the sound of music. Right. Whatever your, the, the, the catalyst for your venture into meditation is, I think my whole point is to just don't beat yourself up if you can't do it. Because the journey into getting into that state of meditation is, is part of, part of it. Right. Yeah. Don't worry about the kid knocking on the door. Don't worry about the dog barking. You know, that's, that's normal. That's normal life stuff. That's going to happen. I mean, ideally you want to be in a calm, quiet place, but that's not real life, especially not in quarantine. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, bring that up because we are in quarantine right now. And if anybody's looking for a way to really balance and recenter the energy, like, as if the universe isn't already sort of pushing us into that realm of introspection, um, it would, it, you might as well use this time to go inwards and really yeah. sit with yourself and, and really come to terms with some of the conditioning that you know that you've taken with you that haven't really been beneficial to the world that we live in. Yeah. And take this uh, time as an opportunity to change the narrative a little bit. You know, look at all the areas of your life where maybe you could have showed up more for yeah, other people. Absolutely. Where you could have maybe taken better care of yourself mm-hmm. where you could have, you know, not taken certain things for granted. Yeah. And use that time to really almost rebuild a new you. Mm-hmm. So it, the dark night collectively being that God came into not only our spiritual homes, he came into our entire city right. and destroyed mm-hmm. the entire city when we all thought that he would come in and just do some work on the freeways, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So because that sort of reckoning is happening, I think a large part of our responsibility is to pay it forward by creating a better, more sustainable version of ourselves mm-hmm. so that we could enter into this new world and adapt to change and, you know, see if we can do this again, but in a more loving and cohesive and dynamic way where we're 
paying homage and respect to nature, yeah, to each other. And we can create more of that world that we want to live in, which is a balanced world. Yeah. Have you read the articles about how much better the, uh, how much the environment has benefited from people not driving to work every day, being on the streets? I haven't. You haven't? I read, I I saw the headlines on some of those. So yeah, yeah. The headlines, I mean, the headlines are, are really good. And I mean, just the high high note right is yeah. that there's less cars on the freeways right. so there's not as many greenhouse gases mm-hmm. um the plants and vegetation are yeah. growing so much better right, right. the air pollution water uh water pollution so much better since right. people have been quarantined yeah. so i don't there's some benefits there's yeah. a couple benefits getting Those to know yourself maybe yeah. getting to know the people in your in your household i mean there's a lot of parents that become so disconnected from their children because their kids are on their phones and social media and and then the parents are, you know, at work and then coming right. home and trying to, you know, get right. everyone in the shower and get dinner cooked and all right. the parent things. Right. Um, so you end up living in a house with people that you don't really know. Yeah. So now you can't get away from them. Right. And it's a great time to, yeah. to recenter yourself and, mm-hmm. and I change those you. relationships. I agree with you. And I think this is about our association affiliation with nature. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if we didn't take it upon ourselves to, really do the work, nature will just stop you in your tracks. Cause that's the one thing that we don't realize that the natural selection isn't just for animals. No, you know, Nope. Like that includes us too. Yeah. And so it's just showing like reverence and really atonement and appreciation for mother Gaia, because this is her home mm-hmm. and we are just visiting, you know? Yeah. And we're also even just borrowing her, the bodies that we have that are going to return back to her. Yeah. You know, so it really calls for some radical accountability on our end to pay our respects to her, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah. yeah. So everybody stay safe out there. Really buckle down on your meditations. Do some reading. We'll all go through this. We're all actually going through this together. Mm-hmm. And... You know, it's all love. We have the divine spirit. We have our angels. We have our guides. We have our friends. We have our loved ones all with us mm-hmm. supporting. And we'll come out of this much stronger, much more aware, and much more beautiful. Agreed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So thank you guys for tuning in to the Divine Nobody's podcast. Uh, you can find us on YouTube. You could also find us on Instagram at divine period, nobody's period podcast. And then also too, you can go to our actual website, which is www.divine-nobodies.com. Definitely please like and subscribe if you want to hear more episodes like this on Apple Podcasts as well as on YouTube. I would really appreciate it. And if you have any questions, you could also send us a question on our website. Yeah. I think and I covered everything, right? Yeah, you did. And any, any show recommendations? We're interested. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Reach out to us. Reach out to us. But have a good weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Namaste. Namaste.